0: We have our special guest, Brewer Hicklin, uh, awesome dude, uh, pitcher for the Royals, right? Great athlete and awesome person. Is that correct? Is that not correct? No, we got to
1: start that one over.
2: back to another episode of champion school i'm ray mack that is bzb uh we're back man it's been uh, a great start (laughs) to the year for us mlu is taking off we're crazy busy in that end i know you've been doing a ton of speaking events and stuff so uh before we get into like the message and sitting down with brewer hicklin here who is uh an incredible listen you guys are going to really want to stick around for that great dude but uh for you what's mlu been up to what have you been up to lately and uh what's the impact been going on uh, in mlu land
0: Yeah, man. We're pumped for this interview. It's going to be really exciting Uh, for us. We've been to a couple of great places. This kind of start the year off. Um, So we've been kind of traveling around, kicking it in now this week and uh, last week. So just some really good opportunities locally here in Arizona with some of the schools. We're kind of wrapping up our our final couple of weeks with Paradise Valley Community College and Benedictine University. So those are kind of the local events. Uh, Some of the high schools, uh, there's a few that we're wrapping up with too. the kind of that eight week training program. And then a few that are the one offs where you're going for a weekend, Um, just went to LS you this last weekend that was sweet right epic they're yeah. gonna be nasty right they're really good and then this weekend go and do a, a high school in central valley california to go get some work in so a lot of good things happening man the spring's kicking in pretty good got some uh, great opportunities now it's just finalizing some details and continuing to push this thing forward
2: yeah for those of you guys that don't know we just talked about off air like how much this thing has grown over the last two years for those of you that have been sticking around with us like it's exploded to the point where we're almost having to split off now right like we have to have two camps going in one weekend because there's so many people reaching out so uh, if you are one of those people that want to have something set up in your area please reach out to us whether it's project sandlot mlu side If you're trying to get something going in your area reach out because we can get something set up you know we've we've been really attacking and even growing into other sports now too so reach out would love to work with you guys Uh, but let's get into the good news of the week Good news of the week. I got two little tidbits for you. Go ahead and let me screen share. I didn't ask you to do this first because it's a little interesting. I just pulled it up. Um, So, so I don't know. Did you ever have a pogo stick when you were a kid?
0: (laughs) No, I always wanted one though.
2: (laughs) Okay. So I I was the kid that used the neighborhood pogo stick, but I was never this good. So this dude's name is Henry Bayless. He is quote unquote, a professional pogoer. And I just want you to take a look at this. Oh, my. Because, th- and and we'll probably have to, to clean this out, but describe for the people that are listening what you're watching right now.
0: <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> this dude's doing double backflips on a pogo stick.
2: He's going LeBron James through the legs, dunking on you <laughs> on a pogo. Dude, <laughs> why well,
0: he's so high in the air?
2: Yeah, man. This dude's nuts. So, man, And it talks about going into your craft and, and practicing it out in your craft. He said he started pogoing when he was like 12 uh and then got a, a legitimate pogo stick uh, a super bounce pogo stick here uh when he was like 13 and now he's 22 and he's doing it at a, a professional level there's no one in the world that does <laughs> this. <guess. insane, laughs>
0: dude there's he's doing no circles with this thing
2: yeah this oh. guy's doing straight tail whips and one handers into a backflip so uh, i had to bring that up i had to show you um the guy's a wizard <laughs> I mean, yeah I guess, he's dude, so good he's bouncing behind backwards the back right crazy. i can't even I, bounce forward I'd probably snap an ankle doing that. So, uh, that was number one, number two, a little more, uh, world record breaking, uh, Zara Rutherford. She has just become the youngest woman to fly around the world solo. So Amelia Earhart, watch out. This girl's 19. Wow. She what? just flew around the entire world. I think it's 32,000 miles or something. Um, are You're not a guy that's ever going to get a pilot's license. I would never, assume, so. no,
0: never, not at all. No chance of never doing that. <laughs> yeah, You don't like heights. uh I hate heights. I yeah. get so much anxiety when I see heights and, and being in control of the plane in the heights. No way, dude, no chance.
2: Yeah, dude. And a crazy stat that I saw reading this 5.1% of all pilots are women. 5%. Wow. Like, so this girl's like, She set out to do this to put it on the map that, hey, in those STEM fields, right, that women can do it, too. You know, so I think it's pretty cool for her to do. Uh, I'm not doing that. There's no (laughs) show. But, uh, yeah, you know, flying simulators, I I mess around with that every once in a while, but not this. So congratulations, Zara, on your new world record or several records I'm sure. Great job. All right. Let's get into my favorite segment of the week. (laughs) Chew on this. Presented by... (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: the chew on this for this week is something that i learned this last weekend that i really liked it was a line said by one of our our mentors and the dude who just crushes it everywhere we go but he said something that was very powerful and it stuck with me and it's going to stick with me forever it was emotions are not commandments they are just suggestions And at first I'm like, well, what does this even mean? Well, he started to dive into it a little bit more and it's, it's, there's some very easy similarities, right? So if we put it in life terms, I wake up in the morning, I hear my alarm go off. My emotions tell me, Hey, they're suggesting that maybe I should hit the snooze button. Maybe I should roll back over and get a couple extra Z's, or maybe I shouldn't go work out today. That's what my emotions are trying to tell me, but it's not a commandment. I don't have to listen to what my emotions are telling me. I have the control over my emotions. Now we take it into sports context to so say baseball. My emotion when the umpire calls a bad call is to freak out and get mad and get upset, whether it's at myself or the umpire and play the blame game, right? A lot of people point fingers and they get in their own head. So in this moment, right, my emotions are suggesting that I should freak out, that I should get upset, that I should slam my helmet or throw my equipment. Instead, right, I have the choice over how I handle myself, and I can go back into the dugout in a more mature manner without throwing something, yelling at the umpire, or getting upset and showing really bad body language and, and showing the umpire up. So emotions are just suggestions, they're not commandments. And sometimes we need to listen to them, but not all the time. And I think most people in our world treat those as commandments. Mm-hmm. As far as, hey, my boss made me mad, it's my time to resent, right? I got I to gotta rebel against this guy or girl. Like, I've got to get back at this person, right? And it, it's all over the place, relationships too. So something that we can hopefully help ourselves with is let's just use them as a suggestion. Like, I don't have to believe whatever that emotion is trying to tell me. I don't have to believe the fear that I have before I go public speak. I don't have to believe the fear that I have before I go step in a championship game or I Get the last game winning free throw and it's make or break. I don't have to believe that. I have the choice over that. And that is very powerful when you believe that you have the choice over how you feel. So emotions are not commandments. They're just a suggestion,
2: right? That's it. Dude, shout out to Dean Wellham, So I'm guessing who that is. Shout that's, out. That's that exactly from, right? who it was. You yep. have legendary, <laughs> yeah. man. He, yeah, he brought
0: it out. I'm like, man,
2: go ahead. Yeah, he's, he's really good. And I think the one thing that parents should take away from this too, when you're teaching your kids, I think the biggest thing to teach them and Jake Wiscursion talked about it last week or two weeks ago is the emotional intelligence, right? Mm. Helping them understand what those emotions are, because up until like nine, you only have, like he said, I think six emotions, seven emotions that you're really locked in on it. And I don't know if it gets up to 11 or whatever, 12, but understanding them is the first step in being able to go, Hey, I can step away from this. I know I'm feeling anger right now but it doesn't have to define me or define this next few actions of mine uh, because it's always the guy that throws the second punch to get seen. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So yep. yeah, totally good. Great job, Dean. Shout out to Dean Wellems, Hall of Famer uh, today. Brewer Hicklin. Uh, the dude is a Hall of Fame, legendary human being. He also does some writing in his free time, professional baseball player, but the writing side is kind of cool. I see him writing in his own blogs uh, and the guy feels like we're about to jump into the interview but it feels like a dude that um should be coaching my kids you know what i'm saying like like he is a uh teacher and an athlete at the same time um and he's gone through his own ups and downs so really excited to jump into that with him further without further ado (laughs) i'm gonna have to cut that one out uh, brewer Hicklin.
0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. We got the whole squad in the building today. I'm Austin Bodler. We got Ray Mac to my left, JP below me. And then we have our special guest, Brewer Hicklin. Uh awesome dude, uh, pitcher for the Royals, right? Great athlete and awesome person. Is that correct? Is that not? No, we gotta start or? that one over.
1: <laughs> okay, we oh start that one. <laughs> I thought dude. it was the Royals. What? No, oh, it's not you got the position yeah, it is. wrong.
3: I'll, I'll my computer position. What position? What? I did, messed
0: up. I did zero background, so that's my fault.
3: <laughs> got him, like, just to leave completely. Yeah. It's like, we're out,
1: we're out, man. I'm never well, coming back. Good thing there's three strikes, so now we got one guy to the bottom of the left. Uh, <laughs> Raise chance, so. There we go, dude. Oh, my God.
2: We're going to just jump right into this. Brewer Hicklin, outfielder, okay? Guy hits a lot, not pitches. Uh, but we're going to kick the story off. let's get a little background on you so Austin understands what's going on here how did you get started in the sports where did you end up and where are you at today
1: yeah so my whole life I've been uh, surrounded by sports my dad kind of was an athlete growing up and my mom as well so they kind of threw me into the fire I think when I was uh, three going on four my first baseball team was the purple people leaders I was on I was on it wasn't even a baseball team it was a softball team so I've been around baseball for as long as I can remember. And I just uh, remember, you know, falling in love with it, always asking my dad to go to the front yard and play and and always wanting to practice. I wasn't really too much of a kid that wanted to go inside and and play too many video games. So my dad was always willing to kind of help me pursue that dream and that passion. And he uh, catered to my needs growing up and was a big instrumental part of my development and uh, played both football and baseball in high school and had the opportunity to do both of those as well in college, uh, which was kind of a unique opportunity that um, was presented to me at UAB in 2015, but um, was fortunate enough to, to transition from there um, to solely baseball, playing with the Kansas City Royals 2017, um, I guess is when I got drafted. And now going on my fifth year, which is kind of crazy to, to think about, I feel like an old man.
2: Yeah, yeah right. What, what position were you in football?
1: Uh, played quarterback growing up. Kind of uh, interesting, I guess, thing throughout high school. I got a scholarship offer to play at UAB in 20, um, I guess it was 2013 from the baseball team, and I kind of wanted to see what football offers had. I had a couple that were like mid-majors on the table, but I wanted to go into my senior year to see if I could get something a little bit bigger. Uh, didn't actually end up getting anything, so called my uh, college coach back and said, "Hey, I want to commit to UAB." And uh, at that time, I had waited, I guess, eight or ten weeks, and he told me that there was no scholarship offer uh, on the table.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, what was supposed to be one of a, you know, an exciting, uh, glorious day for me turned out to be kind of a tragic uh, day. But him being a man of faith, a man of his word, he uh, told me to walk on the first year and that he would provide an opportunity for me to earn a scholarship the next year, which he, uh, you know, went with his word and. So I had the opportunity to do that, which was, was pretty cool, but it was a roller coaster of emotions for sure.
2: That's that's crazy. What what year were you when you made that call to him? Were you a senior in high school?
1: Yeah, it was my fall. I was like, you know, six weeks into the season, and I was having a pretty good football season. And just wasn't, um, didn't get, you know, the the big, big power five school like I wanted to. It was, um, you know, the UT Martins, the Mur- uh, Furman, Sanfords, and stuff like that. So I wanted to kind of go to a bigger school and, UAB was that for me, and so I had the opportunity to go down there in uh, 2015 and um, got hurt my first year, tore my rotator cuff five days before the season, and Uh then uh, played for two years and then got drafted. So, yeah, Yeah, crazy, man.
2: What a whirlwind. So when you get there, you you get to school, what's it like being a two-sport athlete in college? I mean, we were were grinders on the baseball side, and we know we were just dead. So for you to be (laughs) able to do both, man, is pretty wild.
1: Yeah, I think, um, so with UAB, I don't know if you guys are familiar, like, I guess it was years ago, they're kind of starting to become more of a national program, but um, Mm -hmm. they cut the program in 2014, and so that was my first year there, and I kind of had this, like, itch to play football, but when they cut the program, I felt like I was kind of like, God's shutting the door for me. Well, it turns out they literally, 12 months later, they got the program back, and I'm like, (laughs) okay, this is my chance, so um, literally, right, like, it was in January before the baseball season, I just had this big itch, like. Go talk to Coach Clark, um, who's the head coach. And he said, Man, come out in the summer. And I, at that point, I knew I was, you know, a pretty good baseball player. And I wanted to make sure that if I did play football, I would be able to contribute. I don't want to just sit on the sidelines because I could be focusing on baseball. So after uh, three or four weeks of doing some summer camps and stuff, he offered me a full scholarship to, to play football and um, kind of went into the fall and, and did mainly a focus on football in the fall. But, um, It was kind of crazy because during that time we didn't have games that that fall because we were rebuilding the program. So on, uh, let's see, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, we had like full scrimmage practices. And then on Saturday I would go from the morning practice of football and then afternoon my coach would bump the practice back and we'd start scrimmaging at two. So I'd go from like, you know, eight to 12 and then eat lunch and practice at two to five for baseball.
2: And then knock out a bunch of classes, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And still have
1: to keep keep good grades, yeah, which is the reason you go to school but uh, yep. ended up getting my degree right after i got drafted so i got that out of the way no more school for me
2: very nice congratulations <laughs> well i'll give you one more before i pass it off to buy but um what is the difference then because you're working with a team of 100 plus dudes or whatever on the football side versus the 35 you have on your baseball team what's the what is it like building a relationship especially in a, a leadership standpoint like you had a, as a quarterback and then uh, on the baseball team as well
1: yeah. And so that was, a, I forgot to give you that second part of the question. So I was a quarterback growing up my whole life. Um, and then I got uh, to UAB and I was going to be quarterback, but he felt like my athletic abilities would suit as a receiver. So then I okay, got thrown into that? learning, learning a whole new position, but you know, regardless of the position, I, I feel like I'm trying to put myself in a leadership responsibility wherever I go. Yeah. I mean, that's, I feel like a, a god given trait that I've had. And, um, you know, that's, I'm passionate about that. I think um, that's something that brings people together and that's something that I really enjoy. And so definitely it was cool to kind of like start building uh, new connections on the football team, which was a a great opportunity because these people came from all the JUCOs in the United States to like, you know, get under this one vision of coach Clark to say, Hey, look, we're rebuilding a program. We're starting from scratch. Are you with me? Are you not? And so there was a lot of bought in guys and uh, guys that, really um i know you've seen was it the second chance you i think the juco yeah. some guys came from you know over there yeah. and we were kind of a second chance you for division one so we had some guys from all over the head and you know a couple five-star recruits that just fell off the table and um you know they needed somebody to believe in them the second chance and that's what coach clark did and um, i kind of just tried to do that within my core group of receivers and the offensive group but yeah that was it was interesting because you got two completely different um Types of personalities and characters on two different, you know, teams and stuff, yeah. but it was uh, it, it was cool. It was, it was good for me and my development as a, as a person and a player as well. That's awesome.
0: It's absolutely amazing, and the story too. I, I kind of want to circle back into to one of those parts of that story, which is really important. But before, like off air, right right before we started this, Ray mentioned something. He's like, "Hey, this is like a type of guy that I want to coach my kids." He's like, "This is like the type of dude that just like researching." you so that was just such a great compliment, and you can tell it in how you speak here. That. But um, I want to go back to that moment when you called the the UAB coach back and said, "Hey." like I want to come here and you're kind of going and expecting to have a scholarship. And I think most kids and and the ones that listen to this or the families, they're like, if I don't get a scholarship, I'm not going like, it's like their ego gets shattered and and they try and hot route and it never works out for them. But for you, you said, I'm going to trust in my coach because he's a man of faith. He's a man of his word. And I, and I believe in him, even though you go into that situation and it could be totally different because we hear all the horror stories of it as well. Yeah, you do Um, Absolutely. But for you to make that decision as a senior in high school to say, I have the scholarship, I had everything I needed, but I waited and now it's off the table, but I'm still going to like kind of be a man of your word too and go to this school. What was that situation like for you? Cause I know it it couldn't have been very easy, but you took that leap of faith to go there and it's obviously panned out
1: for you. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a leap of faith because at that time, I mean, I had, you know, probably over 10 football scholarships, completely full rides. And, um, so, you know, I spent a lot of time in prayer and a time just talking to my parents, trying to figure out where I felt like I belonged. And UAB was on my heart after a couple of weeks. And I said, you know what, this is what I want to pursue. And, um, at that point for me, there was no going back because like, I felt like that was where I was led to. And. You know, Coach Shoup, uh, like I said, being a man of faith was somebody that um, I looked up to and somebody that uh, regardless of of the baseball side, I wanted to learn, you know, how to be a good Christian leader and somebody that's a good husband and a a good father. And so that was what attracted me as well uh, alongside baseball. But that's the cool thing about baseball is like, you know, you can come from any background. You could come from anywhere, first round draft pick, 40th round draft pick. But like once you get on the diamond at the end of the day, it's all about performing. And um, if you have, you know, a baseball glove and a baseball and a bat in your hand, you've got a chance. And so, you know, with my work ethic and, and the way that I, um, you know, the drive that I have, I knew that, you know, nothing was going to stand in front of me and I wasn't going to let anything get in the way. So that was the mentality I took to UAB. And that's the mentality I've taken to um, now pro ball. And hopefully one day we'll be able to you know, break into the big leagues with that same mentality.
0: It's incredible, man. And, and I love the faith component, too. I think that's a, a huge component that goes overlooked, especially in professional sports. Um, I remember Brewer, there was uh, when I, I was with the Diamondbacks for a little bit, and they had uh, the chapel, right, the morning chapels at spring training. Yeah. And um, I went into the chapel and I, I'm sitting there and it's marked for like 815. And me and the chaplain are sitting there. And we're kind of looking around it's 815, 830, 845. And nobody's coming into this room. And right, there's 300, 400 people in spring training yeah. at this time. And it was just me and this chaplain in my last year. And I'm sitting there like where's the faith man like where is this but um dive into that piece a little bit if you don't mind like how important has your faith been through professional sports because we know how hard it can be and and how many places you're going and all this other stuff that that happens throughout that season for you like how important has your faith been in your career and your journey
1: yeah you i mean you hit the nail on the head right there I mean it it, literally there's so many times you know in my life that like had this opportunity to to share the gospel you feel passionate about it right but then like Mm -hmm. it just the door doesn't get open and that's just god's timing it's just not you know not the right time and um you know that's one of the things is he just calls us to be obedient and persistent and continue to pray for these people and you know when i look at all my teammates you know some of them are saved and some of them aren't fortunately for for the royals there are um several core group of guys that do have strong faith and i've been able to kind of build some relationships with them and it was just a big adjustment though coming from UAB who the whole team is built around faith. I mean, you know, like art from the top down, um, it was just like the team Bible studies, you know, chapel led on Sunday Fire coach, no option. You know, like it's just a 10 minute word and he's going to tell us before the game. And so, you know, while the Royals do like, you know, Dayton Moore is a Christian man and he has Christian principles. It's still hard, you know, to see when you have 200 guys to like have the same vision and, um, you know, I don't ever want to throw my, you know, Christianity down somebody's throat. Like, that's not a way to get somebody to get to know Jesus. But just by the way that I live, the way, by the way that I treat people, and by the way that, um, you know, I respond to certain situations. Sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't. But that's kind of the avenue that I look to, to help, you know, spread the good news of the Lord. And um, it's it's really a, one of the biggest, I mean, it is the biggest reason why I play, because there's so much opportunity in baseball. I mean, there's so many people that look up to us. There's so many um, you know people that follow the game of baseball and that's what really drives me one day to be able to hopefully have that um, platform to be able to say look like well I've put a lot of work in here like it's not me who's got me here like God's blessed me with this ability and like there's so many you know <laughs> there's so many uh people that like when things go wrong they want to blame God but when things go right they want to you know say it was because of them but that's not really how God works like God's there through the thick and the thin and through the ups and the downs. And that's what i really found, just especially to be true over this past year and my journey through, you know, what was a roller coaster season.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's so good. And I appreciate your openness and and honesty with that, because it's hard, you know, sometimes being a Christian in a locker room like that. And I'm thankful you've had some some really good upbringing and some great experiences, especially at UAB and having that as a staple within the program. And then now with the Royals, you've got a a kind of a core group of guys that you can kind of lean on in those aspects. And I love the fact that I'm not going to throw it down your throat. I'm just going to do it by my actions and how I treat you. Yeah. Right. And people can see that. And they're like, hey, what's something different about this guy? something's different about you. So, um, I guess my last question before I pass it to perk is what have you learned since being in professional baseball? Like what are some of the similarities differences from college to pro yeah. ball? And like, what have you learned? Cause I know it's like a different flavor, right? Like what are some things that you've been Jeez. learning through the ups and downs?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's honestly like, it's funny. It's all a simplistic because it's still the game of baseball, right? You can't take that out of it. It's we're still getting paid to play a kids game. And so you know, when it comes down to seven o'clock at night and you're in between the two white lines, like at the end of the day, you're just competing. You're letting your response take over and you're just out there playing and having fun. But when you look at like the development and the side, like the time that you're able to spend on your craft, it's pretty crazy because I've just seen myself like, yeah. <laughs> so you know, how you get your uh, memories on photos like every couple of, like months or whatever from like a couple of years ago. I remember, you know, like getting some videos from my first off season, and me like weightlifting, and now I'm looking at it, and I'm like, golly, I, I thought I was, you know, I thought I was all that and then, and then here I am, three years down there, down the line, like so much stronger, so much faster. But I think, you know, one of the biggest things is just like learning the insides of the of the game, not just going out there because I've been able to rely on my athletic ability for so long because. I mean, I have been a bit, a pretty good athlete and uh, I kind of took that football mentality to baseball, just went out there and like, Mm -hmm. you know, hard nose, just go out there and grind it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, that kind of runs out. Like you have to really start playing smart. And so like taking the new analytics, chewing on them, I'm not a a huge analytic guy, but like I take what I feel like, you know, gives me an asset, like chew on that, develop on that, um, you know, and. Ask a lot of questions because um, there's a lot of people out there that know a lot more than me and just soak up a lot of different knowledge. But yeah, definitely uh, is a lot different than college, just, just based solely on the time that you can spend on your craft, but also like the information that you have accessible to you. And it's just getting more and more. And one thing that I'm really passionate about is like not like I don't want information overload because I'm an overthinker. I'm a perfectionist. I'm really OCD. And so like, I don't want to overwhelm myself. So like, I really try to pick and choose like the analytics that I want to try to like dive deep into, but uh, I am always open to hearing new things and new ideas. And um, that's part of just growing as a, as a player and as a person.
0: It's really good. It's really good. JP, I'll kick it to you.
3: Yeah, before I touch on a little bit of uh, what you do with in terms of writing on your blog, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned is how important the character side and the human side of the game is. And I think it sounds like a lot of the reason that you went to UAB was because you had the opportunity to kind of develop yourself as a person, become a good father. And when I worked for the Royals, one thing that they were always big and focused on is the character side. Um, can you talk about how important that is as you made that transition to pro ball, and like how such an, how important of a role that played in your life?
1: Well, I can tell you right now uh, a story that literally lines up with that. Um, I remember in 2018, I had uh, gotten promoted from extended spring training to Lexington, I played well there for a couple of months, and ended up getting promoted to Wilmington, which was our high affiliate. And as you know, you always want to get promoted, not demoted. Well, after three weeks of being in high A, I remember getting called into the manager's office and getting told I was going to be getting sent back down to low A. And I mean, I had I had not I didn't play that well in high A, but it was only just a couple weeks of sample size. So like I wasn't worried about it. But when I got called back, obviously, like your natural instinct as a human is to start questioning, doubting, getting frustrated. And it was about two Two hours later, I remember getting a call from Dayton Moore, who's our general manager. Unknown number called me, which I don't ever answer, but I just happened to answer it. He he called me and said, hey, Brewer, this is Dayton Moore, general manager of the Kansas City Royals. I was like, oh, hey, Dayton, how's it going? And he's like, hey, I know you're probably, you know, confused and a little bit frustrated. But last night we were sitting in the box uh, during the Royals game and Suley Matias, who was one of our outfielders in Lexington, got hurt and so we want we were all trying to debate on like do we call somebody up do we move somebody you know positions out there because we were they were in the playoff hunt trying to to win a championship and at this time the royals didn't have very many championships in the minor leagues the last couple years we've been just going off but um, at this time this is what would have been one of the first and so he said they were all sitting there you know having a conversation they called some of the coaches talking to some of the players and they you know um all came to the conclusion that like, you know, my leadership and character into the clubhouse was something that they felt like would help propel them and give them the boost morale that they need, you know, cause they were disappointed. I mean, one of their best players got hurt. I think he had 35 home runs that year. So they needed somebody to come in there and, and kind of just, you know, keep positive mindset. And so he said, I want to challenge you to go down there and do that and keep a good attitude and lead them to a championship. And uh, I remember like literally like instant perspective change of like poor me to let's go get it, you know? And, um, that's life, man. It's all about perspective. And so it was a good learning moment for me just to try to keep, um, you know, like a positive mindset and go out and, you know, stand true to who I am and, and do my best.
3: Yeah. And that's great. And that kind of want, makes me want to turn into the writing that you're doing. Uh, one of the blogs that you had talked about dark versus light, trying to find lightness in some of the darkest times. And you mentioned that, uh, some of your worst bad performance days were the darkest days that you've had what were some things that you did to kind of change your perspective as you talked about and get yourself out of those moments where you did have those dark times
1: yeah it was um this this past year was really interesting because the year before in 2019 right before COVID like I was coming off a a really successful year um my mentality was the same like to go out there and to play the best that I can but like I really had a mission to try to get to the big leagues in 2020 and obviously COVID happened, but like my perspective didn't change, like continued to still put the work. in. I knew like with COVID, it was an opportunity that was going to come. Like some people were going to take advantage of this time to develop. Some people aren't, I was going to be the guy that took advantage of it. And I remember just like spending all the time, blood, sweat and tears and like times that, you know, the gym wasn't really open, but I had to sneak my way in there and, um, you know, just find a way to hit and stuff. But it, um, Going into the spring training, I was I was feeling good. I was ready to go. Like same same mission. I had a little swing change and had some beginner's luck. Felt good going into the season, and then I got to the beginning of the season and it uh it started going downhill quick. And um, I was on a team that was uber talented. I mean, Bobby Witt, MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, you name it. At the end of the year, every, there was almost everybody had gotten promoted um, to triple a just because like everybody was just absolutely mashing. And, uh, it was kind of the first time in my life where like I hadn't had success and everybody around me had success. But in that time, like, I knew that like it was important for me to continue to be a good friend. And I mean, I could look at myself in the mirror and say, I gave it my best shot. Like I really did. And um, there's days that I obviously didn't have a good attitude, but like for the most part, I felt like I tried to stay positive. Um, and be a good teammate, like not ride that roller coaster, like only be a good teammate when I'm playing good. You know, nobody wants to be that guy. But it was uh, to the point where like I bottled up all my emotions like internally. And I didn't necessarily want to share that with anybody because I didn't want them to see like how much I was struggling. And so it came to a breaking point uh, in July. I remember like it was yesterday and I still get the chills thinking about it because it's like over four three strikeouts walking down the tunnel got to the locker room, just put my hands on my head, thinking, like, what am I doing? I'm not good enough. Like, I don't belong here. You know, this career's getting cut. Like, this is kind of the end of your road. Like, soak it up while you can. And I was like, I need to talk to somebody. And at that time, it was, you know, 11 o'clock after a game. So nobody's really available. And, you know, my wife's asleep. My parents are asleep. My mentors are all asleep. And uh, I was like, who can I call? And I called one of my former coaches that was coaching in Korea. And, and that, and at that time it was early morning for them. And I called and I was like, so you know, I'm hurting. And like, after that, I could not like speak. I just started bawling, crying, just like broken hearted, you know, like just so much pain and agony inside because I had been bottling up, dealing with it by myself and isolating myself. And um, I just remember like the freeing feeling of letting that go and sharing that with somebody God doesn't design us to do things alone that's why we have community and relationships and um, I knew that you know but I just like denied it and just wanted to be that like stronghold for myself but like I'm not strong enough to handle life by myself so I shared that with him and I no joke the next day I think I went three for four two home runs game one in RBI home run It, it was it's just crazy you know and I don't I don't think that's coincidence I think that's just like um, the feeling that we get, the freedom that we get, like, and I was just playing so, like, with chains on my, on my back. It was really hard for me to, like, enjoy it and see, you know, that that life's good. And um, once I was able to, like, just release that and realize that, like, just a game, man, like, who really cares, you know? And you put so much time and, and sweat and sacrifice into it. So, like, obviously you're going to get frustrated. But at the end of the day, like, the people that love you still love you, regardless of how you do. And um, that's the perspective that I took. And I wouldn't change a thing about it. I mean, when I look back from the last year, like I'm glad that I played so bad because I'm able to, to learn from it. And I'll take that into the rest of my life and the rest of my career because at the end of the day, it's probably going to happen again, you know? <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. And that, I mean, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing your story and being so open about it. This, this is stuff we kind of touch on all the time. And that's what we, we love sharing these stories about other people. Cause a lot of times it tells people that they aren't alone. They can, they can do this. There's other people out there that are going to be there to support them and, yeah. and kind of love them no matter what happens. Um, Ray, I'll kick it back to you if you have any. Yeah. You said <clears throat> coach Sutton, right?
1: Yeah. Larry Sutton. Yeah.
2: I was going to ask about that. So what were some things that he told you? And I'm, I'm sure it's not crazy, like life-changing advice, yeah, but more right. of just like putting it into perspective for you, like you'd said. What were some things he said to you that day? You know,
1: it was interesting because like it wasn't even about baseball because like all my numbers for baseball were fine. Like my analytics were fine. I wasn't swinging and, and chasing pitches. I was hitting some balls hard when I hit them. I just was not having success. And so we really just talked about like life. He was just literally lending an ear to me. And that's a lot of people that don't understand like how to be a good friend. It's like, just listen. Like if you don't have anything going on with your life, one of your friends may have something, just listen, just that's all. It's not hard. Anybody can listen, right? Yeah. You don't have to have the advice. You don't have to have the words and the answers, but just be a friend to lend an ear. And I'm sure a lot of people like, that are listening to this, they may not be the guy that's struggling with something entirely. But I can guarantee you there's somebody they know that is and um, it's 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 their job to make sure that that person knows that they're available to listen. They don't have to have the answers. Because sometimes when you just speak it out to somebody else, you figure out the answer within yourself. And Mm -hmm. that was what I found out was I don't need to change anything I'm doing. I just need to change the way that I'm thinking. I'm already doing the right thing. Just change the way that I'm thinking. And people don't realize how powerful your mind is, and that's something that, um, it, it truly is like perspective, like how you perceive what's going on. And there's two lenses that you can look through life you can look through it, poor, poor, pitiful me, or you can look through it from God's given me this day, and I'm going to take this day and I'm going to be thankful for this. And most of the days, I try to take that approach. Life happens, things get sped up, we lose our foundation at times, but at the end of the day. It all comes back down to the core of just being grateful for what you have.
2: That's awesome. Did you, did you buy him dinner? Did you shoot him a dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I could probably send him like two bucks and it'll go a long way over there. <laughs> That's That's nice. right. We
2: might um, all need to move out there, man. Come on. <laughs> I'll hit you with one more for sending to buy. But uh, you got into, you do your own youth camps too, right? Every once in a while, you give them back into your communities yeah. out there in Arkansas. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us what that means to you. I know for me as a coach, that always helped me uh, one, teach my players a little better, and two, put in things in perspective again of, hey, like, look how happy this kid is just playing catch. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. talk to us about those camps real quick, and then I'll send it right over to buy.
1: Yeah, that's that's something I look forward to every offseason when I come home. And uh, just the kids look forward to it every year, being able to hang out with the pros. I don't remember ever having a chance like this when I was a kid. So I try to bring in some people that really um, – that they're excited about. Kyle Wright, who pitched uh, for the Braves in the World Series. He's a good friend of mine. I mean, he wasn't there this year, and everybody's like, Where's Kyle? Where's Kyle? Where's Kyle? I'm like you're at my camp, man. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. But um, no, yeah, it's it's cool to see the kids just light up, and um, that's one of the things that I want them to to understand. It's like you know, I had I had a team that I was helping with on Sunday. They asked me to come uh, speak to their guys, and I'm like, you know, who here has failed? And they're all like,
2: oh, yeah, I
1: failed. I'm like, well, who's failed seventy percent of the time? And they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, the MVP last year failed 70% of the time. The best player in baseball played, failed 70% of the time. Like you're not that guy. So you're going to fail 70% of the time. And I'm like, what kind of teammate are you when you fail? And um, that's, you know, the lessons that I try to teach these kids because I remember being that kid and pouting and being a sore loser and crying when I lost. That doesn't get you anywhere. I don't remember a single game when I was 10 years old. I don't remember if I got a home run or, I mean, struck out. I don't, I don't know. So it's like, guys, just have fun, man. The friendships you remember forever. <laughs> you know, we're not yeah. gonna remember that the time you struck out, I could promise you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what I try to teach him.
0: What a great life lesson too for these kids. Cause I mean, I'm putting myself back in twelve year old shoes. It's like Pout, angry, face turns red, like get really tense old. and like punch something. <laughs> yeah tw- That might have been 20 year old me too, right? Like it took me a while to get over that. It was really hard, but he um, remembers that one home run he
1: had when he was. 12, oh, every like, time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, man, that
0: little league bomb. Come on, man. That's all the praise. Okay. Uh, but you mentioned a couple things, right? The first thing I wanted to kind of touch on was the listening. Like, hey, all it takes is somebody to listen. I'm sitting at the airport uh, Sunday night and flying back home and, and i'm sitting at the bar watching the uh was it chiefs and bills game which was just insane and somebody sits next to me right and and, and usually at the airport most of us are like tunnel vision don't talk that to me on, don't talk, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's exactly how it was AirPods were in i'm kind of <laughs> eating my food like they don't touch me don't talk to me don't say anything and this guy reaches over and says, hey you using this ketchup for your water because i just had some water in front of me and i'm like kind of funny, but no, 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 go ahead, have it. And uh, he starts talking. He's like, where are you from? What do you do? What is some of the things that you like, Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then he tells me, he's like, I'm flying to Denver. I'm like, oh, Denver's beautiful. I love Denver. He's like, yeah, actually our our house just got burned down in that fire. And we're going to look for our dog that we think is dead. I'm like, what? Like this dude just straight up opened up to me, but it made me realize what you said is all I think he needed was somebody just to listen to him Mm -hmm. And it did. I didn't have to have any words of advice, I don't even know the guy, right? But just being somebody that he can share something with, you see a smile go on the face, you see the perspective shift, and it was crazy. So, show me pictures of it, and like this, it was horrible, right? Horrible incident. But him to have that perspective taught me something very powerful to stop staying so closed in, especially in the airport, right? Because nobody wants to be next to the chatty Kathy on on the plane, but like maybe that person just needs you, and God placed you in that position to listen to that person for a reason. That was huge. The second thing was, like, and I want to dive into this with you and see your, your perspective on it. But we we're talking about this last weekend. Um, I was kind of doing some peak performance stuff. And um, there were two columns that we were talking about in sports and we're kind of business wise. But then sports wise, there was the, the healthy column. Right. And then the safety column and how I put it in sports wise was the safe thing is to go when I'm struggling, go work on our swing go get in the cage more, go hit off the machine more, hey, bring the the neck close, change my arm angle. whatever it is, right? That's the safe thing to do. It's the easy thing to do. The harder thing to do is the healthy column, which is, hey, I need to check in with myself. Where's my mindset? What am I thinking about out there? Am I worried about my girlfriend who we just got in a fight? And that's might be the reason why I went over for today. Or am I putting pressure on myself because I'm getting moved up, down, etc. But in sports, right, especially in the in the minor leagues and in professional baseball and the things that you go through, I think we always attack the safety column first and yeah. we, we rarely ever approach the healthy column. But in reality, like you said, the healthy column, if I just take care of my mindset, everything else starts to work for me. Like you had that conversation, you have probably felt this relief and the weight off your shoulders and then you go out there and you perform and you have a, the game of your life. How important is it for athletes specifically, but in general, people to work on the mindset aspect a little bit more and just kind of train your mind to see that perspective that you've been talking about this whole time, especially through the adversity and challenges that you're going to face on a daily basis.
1: Perfect right on. I mean, it literally safety is comfort and there's not Mm. much growth in comfort. You got to get uncomfortable to grow. And so that's one of the biggest things is like literally people just fall in a rut of doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. But like, sometimes you've got to think outside the box. Sometimes you have to have somebody say something to you that you may not agree with, but say, maybe they've got a good point. Maybe I do need to view it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're exactly right. Like literally it comes down to this because my, I can tell you right now, my swing has been the same for two years, three years. We're talking maybe a little changes here and there, mm-hmm. but this right here is developing. It's not all the way there. I've got ways to go, but this is developing. The more pitches I see with, you know, these eyes, the better equipped I am going to be for next year and the next year. So, yeah, you you exactly. I mean, that is literally this is what I'm training right now. Oof. And it's hard to train in the offseason like that. So, like, I got to put – you know, they got the new uh, Oculus, like, win reality where you can put it on your head and, like, make those decisions and stuff. So, like, I'm trying to do some stuff like that, but – Uh, I literally got a text today from a doctor that has a performance vision thing. Like I'm going to test my eyes, like see how my eyes are working and see how my brain's responding and rhythm and timing and and all that good stuff. But yeah, you're exactly right. Like sometimes you have to shift your perspective from like the physical things to like think more mental. And um, just to touch off, you know, your guy in Denver, like it's funny you said that, like his dog passed away literally almost 24 hours ago. My dog ran into the road and got hit by a car. Oh my God and um, this was yesterday and I was in the backyard he squeezed through the fence and I saw him run and hit the car and like I literally saw life flash before my eyes like because my dog is like my son you know and my wife especially by the grace of God he, he's fine like literally he sprinted back to me and what? no bruises, no blood, nothing and um, it was like just a I mean talk about like heart sink, you know. Um, and I mean, I've, I've only had this dog for a year and, uh, it just, but it's funny you said that because like that, like literally I just had to, like, I had to call my dad because I was just bawling and crying, like just to tell somebody, like, what do I do? Like, he seems fine, but like, I t- it doesn't seem right that he's fine. But yeah, like literally, I mean, that, and the, the way that I treat him, him last night and today, I'm like, oh my gosh, are you I'm so thankful for you. But like, that's how we should treat people every day. You know, like, that's the perspective that we should treat. And like, it literally was a reflection moment for me, like, I should treat my wife like that, you know, I should treat my friends like that. And um, it was it was a good opportunity for me to learn and grow. But it was, it was scary. I mean, obviously, I don't want to, I don't want to have to learn lessons that way. But, you know, in every, in every scary situation and failure, there's something to grow and learn from. And that's the, the mindset that I've tried to take.
0: That is so good. And you mentioned perspective this whole time. And for me, some of the things that are just kind of hitting me in the face that I see through you is you're really anchored in your faith and gratitude and thankfulness. Um, You're anchored in who you are as a person, not what you do on the field or what you do at the youth camp. Like it's who you are as a person and how that shines through just a screen like this, man, it's very powerful and it's impactful. It's impacted me today. And and I love it. It's awesome, especially your vulnerability with a lot of this. And um, I remember you kind of going back to that mental side thing. It's like when we go to, go to a bunch of teams right we work with teams from all different levels and um, sometimes it's hard to get the buy-in from people when you talk mindset or leadership or just getting to know teammates and being vulnerable like you are and uh, I remember this last week and one of the guys was like uh, he came up to me after and and he's and he's a good player right talented and he's like man when you guys first came in in the fall I thought this was a bunch of eyewash I thought this was I
1: big, big, big phrase. We do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, Oh,
0: here comes the mental guy. Or uh, here comes this team building stuff. Like, this is stupid, but whatever. And then he he went on to say, he's like, but this has changed my life. Like, this has gotten me to get to know my teammates. This has got me to realize, like, I have some things that I've dealt with in my life but hearing your vulnerability, hearing what you've been through and how you've overcome some of these, like I'm going through that exact same thing right now. Yeah. I was like, what I had no clue. right? no clue. But yeah. that piece of like, initially we want to judge it. Right. We're like, eh, like whether it's analytics, whether it's the mental side, whether it's another person, it's like, is this eye wash? But in reality, like these things work, right. Especially as an athlete, it's so important to work on those things. Um, but I just wanted to kind of share that because it, it popped up when you mentioned that.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it, you, you hear the cheesy phrases "we over me, like, you know, all (laughs) those things, but it's like, that's the whole point of it. Like being somebody that can take the attention off their self and -hmm. focus on serving somebody else. Like once somebody does that, they will find true value in their own self. They thought Mm -hmm. they had value. They thought they had value. They're like, Oh man, I'm the man. But you find a whole different level of fulfillment when you start serving other people. And that's literally like the whole point of, for me to play baseball, like trying to like, Find hey how's your family today you know how you doing today like if somebody comes on my mind you guys today somebody on your mind that you want to thank don't wait send them a text right when you're done say man i just want to let you know i'm thankful for you and that's it that's all you got to say you know like that goes so far handwritten letter when's the last time you wrote a handwritten letter to somebody to say hey man i just want you to know i'm thinking about you today thankful for you i really appreciate your friendship you always believe in me you always support me and i'm really grateful for that It takes you a minute and 52 cents and that's it. (laughs) And you may make that person's week a month, who knows? And so that's, um, yeah, no doubt. It's, when, go ahead,
2: when you're yeah. when your time's done playing that alabama team is going to be nasty that you're coaching because you're going to be dialed, yeah, dialed.
3: Yeah. Um, well yeah.
0: and ray i'll kick it back to you maybe we can hop into the game action or, or whatever you guys want to take this but um you mentioned that piece there brewer of uh like hey if you're if somebody pops into your mind say you're like like cinema text there's a reason why they're popping into your mind and my, our FCA chaplain, right, He's like one of my biggest mentors, dude, really saved my life in 2018, and uh, he said that exact same thing like two years ago, I'll never forget it, he said, look, if somebody pops into your mind, just shoot them that text, like just yeah. say, hey, I'm thankful for you, man, keep doing good work, or glad we're on the same team, whatever it is, and when I do that, because sometimes like we got to check ourselves and kind of separate ourselves a little bit, but when I do do that, the response is incredible, so that's awesome, I, I just want to highlight you saying yeah. that was huge, i um, Ray, if you want to get into the game or any of the last things from JP or, or Ray Mac, any ask questions?
2: Yeah, we'll do a quick game, get you out of here, let you get All on right. with your day. Uh, it is called On It or Off It. We're just going to get a quick breakdown of you. You're either going to say you're on it with this list of 10 things or you're oh. off it. And it's just a quick <laughs> one <laughs> sentence is why well, I know you just uh, got put on the spot. We, uh, we uh. put you poorly and we just threw a game at you. So here we go. <laughs> okay, number one, uh, camping. Off it. Off it? Don't like it?
1: I do like it, but I don't do it.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> no. I, never, I, never, I really never have been in, in the woods to camp. Really, never. Oh. My my brother's a huge camper, but like I don't do it. I would like to do it, but I don't. We got to get you out, So am man. I on and off it?
2: I'll put you <laughs> in the middle. I'll put you up top. <laughs> um, meditation.
1: Ooh, forms of it on. Okay, very nice. Yeah, it's breathing exercises, slowing the heart rate down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Madden football. Oh, awesome. I don't have a console. Nah,
2: I feel you. Yeah. No worries. Uh, listening to audiobooks.
1: On and podcasts, big yeah. time. What's
2: the podcast
1: go to? Uh, I got three. I was thinking about putting a poll up on Instagram soon to see what everybody else was chewing on. But I got How I Built This by Guy Raz, Young Entrepreneurs, talking about how they built uh, businesses. Incredible, um, incredible podcast leader. Uh, Craig Vashell's Leadership Podcast and um, the School of Greatness. Uh, those are all getting clipped. Yeah, We're it down. We're going them out. Yeah, they're good. Iced coffee. Oh, don't get coffee. Okay, very nice. Okay. Cool. On, but it's been a while. Yeah, I <laughs> I love, you know that's something you know what maybe get a little date night. Need to get wife out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. out and bowl. Who, who's the best bowler in here?
2: Nah, I'll probably take that. Bye. No, Bye. Of course yeah. you are. <laughs> no hesitation. We're humble. Yeah. That's, That's right. What's your best bowling score if you had to just rattle one off? Yes. Oh, um, yeah. no, I'm not going to okay. brag about it, but I, I think so. it
1: was like 150s. <laughs> 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 not, not too good.
2: All good. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Off. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, so not, really my, not really too much of my thing.
2: Yeah, no worries.
1: Uh, journaling. Um, do you journal every day? Uh, in the season, I journal every at-bat, and I do, uh, yeah, like a pro journal in the mornings.
2: And do you go yeah. right after the at-bat or after the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, three years of, I mean, just pitchers' cues, how to field base, at-bats, shape of the pitches, uh, tendencies, all that stuff. Yeah, that that's helped me with this. Yeah. and um so yeah that's honestly stolen me more bases than i mean i mean i can even remember yeah that's it's awesome. like i almost steal the base before i hit first because like i'm trying to like go ahead and when i get to first i already know what i want to look for and go
2: that's legit we're
1: gonna have to yeah, break big, that down later big um, big journal yeah
2: playing pool billiards
1: on not good but on I do enjoy yeah. It. yeah yeah that's fine i'm sure you're taking the cake on that too right
2: uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not watching, taking I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about her. JP. <laughs> <good players> play. <laughs> I'm pretty good, yeah. so. Okay, then there you go. Uh, last one uh, 49ers winning the Super Bowl. I gotta go to the Chiefs, nasty.
1: Uh,
3: man, oh. uh,
1: I know, but it was funny. Everybody died at the beginning of this year, right? He just yeah. kept he kept grinding it and, and kept true to himself and he uh, made his adjustments that he needs to probably more here, right?
2: No, like, honestly.
1: Look at him now. That's right. Yeah, Great got, job, go.
2: awesome, dude. That was awesome. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Yeah, and absolutely. again, sorry for botching the intro <laughs> there. Yeah, come on, man. Him.
1: You had one job. You had two months to get that. Right, <laughs> I know. That's right. This has been in the works. We've been DMing for two months, and it's like, come on, man. I go. Yeah. Go ahead, Perk. If you ever convert to pitching,
3: we'll we'll clip, bys clip, and we'll already have an intro <laughs> yeah. set. If you ever convert that's to pitching, we we'll some. say we'll
1: save a minute of the interview, and we'll just <laughs> yeah. go right into
0: it. Uh, we're gonna clip it for sure. We're gonna put it on social media because that was hilarious. That was, <laughs> but that's the ultimate all time. Like we've had some botches, but that was the ultimate botch, right? That was. Yeah,
1: hilarious. and then we got it. I mean, we don't have to go down to my guy. here down here at the bottom right uh jp and let everybody know that he wasn't prepared but (laughs) (laughs) but he he wang it good he wang it good what what
2: is your blog (laughs) by the way for people that are listening uh when you do what do you do your writing
1: yeah it's all on my website it's simply brewerhickland.com and uh it's it's you know periodically whenever i have something on my heart that i feel like i'm not like i don't feel like i'm the most gifted writer but like when i really put my heart into it it uh i feel like sometimes it hopefully sometimes like gets how I want, you know, you have a thought in your head, but then you try to put it into words, it doesn't necessarily come out. But that's that's my biggest message is just try to put my heart out there and let people know what's going on. And there's so much support, especially in the Huntsville area for me, that it is really always encouraging. Every time I put something out, people really are uplifting and encouraging to me and I'm very grateful for all the support.
2: You're doing a great job, man. You're you're leaving an impact on that community too, which is a huge Thank thing. You. If we get out there at any point, you keep, keep us updated on your, your camp schedule because yeah. we to make the rounds. We'd love to get out there.
1: Yeah, that'd mm-hmm. be cool. Maybe we could do like a, a live shoot or something, like a live podcast or something cool like that.
2: Yeah, really screw up That's that awesome. intro in person.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'll be having my my notebook, my sheets. I'll be ready to go, man. Every article
1: I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> All
3: right,
1: brother. This is, this is my puppy right here. Come here, buddy. Oh, Come man. <laughs> Let's go. Come here.
3: Survivor, Survivor. Wow.
1: 79 pound linebacker that just absolutely took out that car. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't believe that. So, what a beat. All right, man. Well, y'all have a good day. I appreciate the time, you too, bro. bro Thank we you appreciate you so much.
0: it, man. Thank you so much for popping on, man. Easy to root for. Good luck this spring, too, man. Y-
1: y'all have a good one. See you, man. Take care. All
2: right, we're back. Um, that was a fun interview. Uh, and this is it's interesting because generally when we do these things, like we'll do an intro and outro um either before or after and it's usually a couple days apart this is the first time we've done one where it was like we did an intro we did the interview we did a brewer <laughs> outro and we're doing it right now um we botched it it is, what it is right uh we didn't have that he was clearly an outfielder down um uh, but it made it for a funny situation, funny setup. <laughs> so, uh, but for him as a person, dude, for real, what I said before offline or off in air era, as in like, I would love to have that guy coach my kids, is totally true. And just the way he carries himself, the things he talks about, he's a man of faith. He, um, he's focused on the mindset. He's clearly got to focus on process over results, which is is really cool to see. Uh, what do you think about the interview with Brewer? Maybe uh, touch on touch on the. Uh, <laughs> debauchery <laughs>
0: yeah other than the debauchery in the beginning of me calling him a right-handed pitcher for the royals <laughs> that, that was uh not not planned, but no. hilarious. This is going to be a great clip. Uh, overall, though, man, it was amazing. I think I said it on the show. It was like, hey, he's really anchored in his faith and in gratitude. And I think when you have those two things working for you, you can do anything in the world. And it's amazing to see how God's used him and his and, and light through football, through baseball, through his experiences now into professional baseball and some of the things he's gone through and battled through. Just what an amazing human being. I mean, so humble. Uh, just the humility is unbelievable. And just to see how he's using – his opportunities and his platform to impact people for the greater good helping the kids doing things the right way what an easy guy to root for man so what amazing dude super super grateful for him and what a great great episode what about you
2: yeah just grateful for him joining us you know and spending the time they they're so busy mlb pa just put in their their stuff um you know yesterday for any light news on that um but minor league was kind of like in that, Hey, probably not going to get affected, whatever, but it's always trying to turn from December 25th into it's go time. Right. And it sounds mm-hmm. like he's been working nonstop since the season ended anyways. So it's not like that was ever going to affect him, but uh, really cool to see all the cool things he does in his community. Um, he's putting on those youth camps and stuff like that. He's completely in line with what we're doing. So uh, again, really grateful for him. <clears throat> One thing I, I did want to touch on, I thought it was interesting and, and, crazy story about his dog by the way but um when somebody gets wrongly accused of a crime and sent to sent to prison when they come out whenever that is 10 days a couple of years whatever they look at their room differently right like and this was just like a weird conversation topic that i listened to on a podcast they look at the room differently, right? Because that room now becomes the like the nicest, brightest room ever. That bed is the most comfy bed in where they could have complained last week. But after going through that situation, being wrongly accused, being put in prison and coming out, like the whole perspective and view of their own world changes. Uh even with how bad of a situation that is. So it was really crazy to see him do the same thing, right? Talking about his dog talking about people the same way because if you can carry that kind of positive energy and thought into your day and, and the way you interact with people in your life is just gonna take off you know so, so awesome. super cool thank you so much brewer for joining us uh we can't wait forward to watch you man watch you keep growing i think you guys are gonna be on a heck of a tear like you said all of your teams in that that royals org has really started ramping it up in the last few years uh and i think it's partly to do with that mindset that you're taking and then i'm sure a lot of your teammates are taking too so thank you for joining us that's going to do it for us today i'm ray mack that's bzb